Here's to the finest crew in Starfleet. Engage. Welcome to the Greatest Generation. It's a Star Trek podcast by a couple of guys who are a little bit embarrassed to have a Star Trek podcast. I'm Ben Harrison. I'm Adam Pranica. How's this morning find you, Adam? I think this might be the record for earliest pod recording. What do you think? It's either the record or tied for the record. Yeah. I have not had coffee. I'm looking at my coffee on my desk right now, so I think... We will all experience me waking up together. Bold move. Yeah, not great. I'm, I made a double hammerhead, which is two shots covered in cold brew coffee in a pint <laughs> glass. So, You little Seattleites are so cute. Hopefully that pulls me up out of this malaise. <laughs> I've had coffee bang, bang, bang today. Really? Yeah, I had iced coffee uh, at a a coffee shop with my wife this morning, came home and made myself another iced coffee, was walking around the house and I discovered an almost full Mm -hmm. cup of coffee that my wife had made and then left on a counter, which is her way. Yeah. I dumped that over some ice and drank that. Oh yeah, you're not going to dump that down the drain. That's perfectly good coffee. That's the best coffee there is. Free surprise coffee. You ever go over to John Roderick's house, I would caution you against uh, against accepting his coffee, because he is a man who never knows how long his coffee has sat out. <laughs> oh, God. Isn't there like a reality show on cable about people like that? There should be. I believe it's called Hoarders. <laughs> Well, Ben, I went down to uh, the official Greatest Generation P.O. Box, and it turns out we have a package. Oh, really? I've always wanted to look at your package. Captain, I'm sorry to disturb you. I'm receiving a code 47. Verify. It is code 47, sir. Starfleet emergency frequency. Captain's eyes only. Ben, this express post cardboard envelope was sent to us from Mike H., from Strathmore, Alberta. Whoa. International. Mike using the official Greatest Generation P.O. Box. Not using either of our home addresses because he's not <laughs> creepy. Let's see what's inside. Whoa! We have got official Star Trek stamps. Two packs of them, Ben. That's two for me, and maybe I'll give you one of these. <laughs> Are these from the Canadian Postal Service? Yeah, which means we couldn't use them even if we wanted to. Yeah, we can only collect them. You got your captains. It's the captain's collection. You got your Kirk, your Picard, your Janeway, your uh, your Ben Cisco, and your Scott Bakula. And uh, there's a nice letter inside. Oh, wait. Oh, this isn't a letter. This is a script. Oh, man. Oh, he wrote a script that I should read when I open the package. (laughs) This is awesome. This is a one-pager, so I'm going to go ahead and read it. Interior Studio. One of our protagonists, Adam Pranica, reads a page of script to our other hero, Ben Harrison, who appears via Skype. Adam, (laughs) parenthetically bemused. Check this out, Ben. It's from Mike up in Canada. 
America's hat. It goes like this. <laughs> Dear Adam and Ben, I started watching this pod on episode five, and I've been watching ever since. You guys keep me laughing, even with your quote-unquote impressions and 2% level jokes. <laughs> the community that surrounds the pod is equally fantastic. I've made good friends, had some great conversations, and some even better debates. It's thanks to you that I've met those people. To sum it all up, in a word, thanks. And then, uh, and then it says, Ben. Oh, that's nice. Oh, that's nice. Adam. It goes on to say, as a token of my esteem, check these bad boys out. The letter indicates that Mike has pointed at his testes. Adam and Ben <laughs> laugh their asses off. <laughs> <laughs> Also enjoyed the enclosed, maybe more or less than you enjoyed the bad boys. Your call. Cheers and best regards, Mike, aka Ice Cream Truck. Oh, he's uh, he's one of our mods, right? Yeah, he moderates the Reddit sub. I should have recognized that name and location. That's a uh, bad form by me, Mike. The great Mike. I recognized it. I just didn't speak up because I expected you to have some long con bit. <laughs> no, no. You should <laughs> look if. If I have done something dumb, you should never assume bit. You should just assume <laughs> dumb. Adam picks up another package. He sees it's a set of Canada Post Star Trek stamps. He considers it a thoughtful and appropriate gift. And then we cut to interior office. Mike leans back in his chair, fingers tented, satisfied that this stage of his nefarious plan has succeeded. And I picture evil- him like Data tenting his fingers that time that Data got to be captain for a little while. Yeah. Wow. Pretty great gift, Mike. You give us the gift every day of your adjudication of our forum, so thanks for that. And thanks for the stamps. Yeah, thanks, Mike. You don't need to send us free stuff. You do enough, Mike. I know. Chill out, dude. (laughs) You deserve a break. You deserve a Coco No-No, brother. Yeah. Well, Ben... I guess as we turn towards Season 7, Episode 6, we consider the many gifts the show has given us. Occasionally, when you open up a lot of gifts at one time, you get the socks. Mm. And I think maybe this one is that. It's Season 7, Episode 6, Phantasms. Maybe the David Lynchiest episode we've gotten, Ben. Yeah, it is very David Lynchy. It opens right in dream sequence, and you can tell because they got a wide ass lens on the camera. They're in love with the fisheye this season. I mean, this is very reminiscent of the last time Data had a dream. And they maybe tip their hand a little bit with this wide ass lens. Like, I think it would have been fun to reveal that this was a dream, but it just hits you in the face right away, right? Especially because I tend to dream in standard (laughs) non-fisheye lensing. So (laughs) I think part of the fear of nightmares is that they, is the verisimilitude to real life, right? So maybe they're just helping out a dumb as a viewer. Yeah, I I think that... I think that a lot of times in TV, when a decision like this is made, it's it's for helping out a dumb. <laughs> Adam, you know, when I dream, sometimes it'll be 
on a wide lens, only it's not a wide lens, and I just know that it's not a wide lens. Really? Yeah. Because you're dreaming about work? These, uh... You're, like, ACing your own dream. <laughs> <laughs> if I was ACing my own dream, I'd be, uh, I'd be loader, and I'd be flashing the film because I'm terrible at that. Yeah, yeah. What do you dream about, Adam? I know that I dream intensely, but I don't remember them at all. I, I just wake up with a having teeth grinded feeling in the morning. <laughs> Like knowing that Mouth I have full of powder. Yeah, knowing that I've been through some shit in the middle of the <laughs> night, but I really remember so few of them. And I'm a little envious of people who can remember their dreams with with perfect accuracy or even okay accuracy because I just can't do that. I can't remember them that well anymore. There was a time in college where I was dreaming in like flawless five act structure <laughs> and could remember my dreams like two or three times a week. And uh, Were you on any medication for that? Because sometimes I'll take NyQuil. And I guess I should say I do remember my dreams with horrifying detail when I take <laughs> some sort of sleeping medicine. That's not fun. Man, I no, I can't say that I have taken any sleeping medicine. It's made me avoid NyQuil because I would rather... I would rather have a little bit of good sleep than a lot of night terror sleep, <laughs> which is what that stuff does to me. Well, this is kind of a freaky dream that Data is having. There's guys that have ripped open a bulkhead and they're like taking hammer swings at a uh, plasma conduit or something. Excuse me. Do you have authorization to work in this area? Why is it that when people swing hammers and sledgehammers on TV and film, they never look like they're actually taking real swings? Because this guy on sledgehammer duty is like, he's not looking realistic in the process. All of the goodwill that this show earned in the episode where everybody had to stand super still (laughs) is flushed right down the toilet in this episode when anybody swings a pick or a hammer. Yeah. Yeah, it's terrible. I think the problem is that they gave them real picks and hammers, so if they really swung them, they would destroy the set dressing. Yeah. What What they needed to do is, like, cast the head of a of a sledgehammer and then make a foam dummy of it so that that guy could just swing away and have it bounce off the surface as it's hitting yeah yeah it was difficult to enjoy the scenes of sledgehammer and knowing that there was no there was no hammer shots actually happening yeah i mean i feel like a a series of gifs of these guys hammering would uh would really expose how flawed the execution of (laughs) some of this stuff is yeah these guys stand up when Data interrupts them and uh, rip his arm right off. Yeah, they sort of go in on him, right? Yeah. They rip the arm and then they wing him around and then they cut again and it's clearly like they're just taking apart a mannequin. <laughs> yeah. And they rip off his head and produce the buried in San Francisco head, which is a prop, a prop I never I thought we'd <laughs> I never thought we'd see that prop again. Yeah, leave that buried, guys. Yeah, leave it buried in the past, please. The cold open ends with Data like like waking up in a cold sweat, in the cold sweat that he cannot have. 
a man who does not have to sleep, choosing to sleep because I guess there's nothing to do on the ship. <laughs> if you got time to sleep, Data, you got time to clean. He used to be the guy who would captain during third shift. Yeah, who's on the bridge during swing? Is he off that duty now? I, I have no idea. I mean, that's like a wild thing, right? He was presumably on duty for two out of three shifts where everybody else is just on duty for one. <laughs> like, he, he moves down to ops when he gets relieved from captaining Yeah, uh, as they transition from third shift to first shift. Cut to Barnaby, and he's like, God, this fucking sucks. <laughs> I hate this new shift. <laughs> All because Data's running a stupid dream experiment. <laughs> we come back from our title sequence and we find out that the entrepreneur has been fitted with a new engine this is shit that i would have wanted to see yeah we have a deep 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 b story which is like picard's been invited to a party that he doesn't want to go to <laughs> fuck all that Throw that entire thing away. I want to see a new warp core being installed in the Enterprise. In Europe, they cut out all the bits of it actually going in. I want also, like, we get another one of those great shots of the Enterprise pulling away from a starbase. Yeah. Starbases look so cool. Show me that shot once an episode and I'll be happy as a clam. You might say that Deep Space Nine is a definition of this, but... But could there have been full episodes or full series set aboard Starbases? I think so. I think that would have been neat. The constant stream of ships in and out. The hood just malingering there forever. I think that's sort of what they're going for with DS9. And, you know, that... Like, I, I feel like they got a little tired of it after the first few seasons of DS9 and then gave them a spaceship so that they could go spaceshipping around also. Yeah. But, uh, but like, a Federation star base, like one that was built by the same minds that built the Entrepreneur, would uh, is a fun setting. That's what I'm saying. Really gorgeous. Really cool. And so big. How yeah. many people live on that thing? If there's a thousand on the Entrepreneur, that thing must have millions of people living on it. It feels like when you cram that many people onto something, the stakes just get raised for any situation. Like, suddenly the destruction of a starbase feels like, what is that, 20-fold the destruction of a ship? <laughs> like, that's major leagues right there. Yeah. Anyway, I I mean, we're seven seasons in. We, I think we got... The only episode that was really set aboard a starbase for any length of time was that Biners episode. But for the most part, that was it, right? Weren't they at one when Data had to defend his personhood? Oh yeah, well they—that was like a conference room. That was uh, yeah. That was that Bare- was barely explored the uh, the setting. Yeah, I mean, I think the conference room is probably the least interesting part of a starbase bin. <laughs> <laughs> but maybe they have some really great conference rooms there. We'll never know. Coming in 2018, Star Trek conference room. Written by the guy, the guys who brought you the greatest generation. Yeah. <laughs> We're just two guys sitting in a writer's room looking at each other across <laughs> the table. Have you ever written a television series? No. Have you? No. But, oh, uh, shit. <laughs> but I, I criticize them all the time. Doesn't that make me just as good? 
<laughs> that no. makes me an expert. <laughs> <laughs> Just another asshole on the internet. We're assholes on the internet for whom the power has gone right to our heads. We, uh, yeah, this new warp core looks a little different. Much like, you know, cars, when they go through evolutions, they go from, like, round to a little more sleek. It looks like the door to where the dilithium crystals go has been has been oblonged a little bit, right? And it's yeah, green. Yeah, it's got... It's got some, like, I don't know. It kind of reminded me of, like, putting a smartwatch on the... Yeah. <laughs> on the thing. It's got, like, a readout on the front of it. Yeah. Some some new shapes and stuff. Yeah, I mean, it's not like they replaced something with something that looks exactly alike. It looks a little different. Yeah. Which is why that's where the budget went. You don't want to make a guy a, a Nerf sledgehammer. You want to build a new warp core. I imagine the cost in the uh, prop department of building that thing for having it just sitting there versus building that thing for being able to like move it around and lower it into place are fairly astronomically different. <laughs> yeah, probably. We set up a couple of things here. We set up that there's a cute engineering ensign that sweats Jordy. Commander LaForge? <sighs> Speaking of nightmares. Name of Ensign Tyler. This is an- just another like kind of head scratcher of a <laughs> romantic interlude for Jordy, which is a smoking hot ensign likes him and like sometimes that's been great for him and other times he's like, ugh, God, she has a crush on me? Gross. <laughs> What are, you, what are you talking about? Why don't you like her? I love She's... that Jordy's position is like, well, there must be something wrong with her if she likes me. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, in every other way, she seems great. Like, she's a little doe-eyed about Jordy, but like, when uh, when you're crushing, you can't control that. You have such a wonderful grasp of engineering principles. Yeah, it's hard to control. Data is is just as perplexed as we are as to why Jordy isn't <laughs> excited about this situation. Data's like that guy who doesn't want to lose his best friend to a relationship. He's like, <laughs> he's like, hey, do you want me to go tell her to fuck off for you? Jordy's like, no, I'm gonna I'm gonna do that myself. Because <laughs> I will, man. I will tell her to fuck right off. She's no good for you, bruh. <laughs> You're changing, man. You've changed. Have you ever done that, Adam? Have I ever broke up with a friend's girlfriend? On their behalf? Like, weighed in against the girlfriend. Like, like taking the buddy by the, by the elbow and said, she's no bueno. I have a long history of not liking the, the girlfriends and boyfriends of my friends. I've rarely shared those feelings because I'm pro-friend, mm. first and foremost. Sure. I ride for my friends. You're saying I shouldn't play this episode for my wife. (laughs) Why start now, Ben? (laughs) I've never been the person who would be asked to tell Anson Tyler uh, that Jordy's not interested. I've never been put in that position of you. That's a really rough position. Yeah. Both both to volunteer for what's up data or to (laughs) ask a friend to do. Yeah. So I respect that. uh, I respect that Jordy doesn't allow this. Um, They are just kind of like 
doing some final gut checks on the engine before they head off and it's back up to the bridge for Picard to order a conspicuously lineless helms person uh, <laughs> to you know hit the warp and uh, she hits it and nothing happens and then she hits it again and nothing happens it's not fair which I thought was an interesting move by her. Like, aren't you only supposed to hit buttons when the captain orders you to? Ooh, yeah. She takes it upon herself. She's she's taking the initiative, Adam. You don't want to flood the warp engine by just by just hammering that starter, right? <laughs> That's trouble. Yeah. I don't know how that works. Well, you gotta you gotta hit the choke before you start the warp engine. It's like starting a lawnmower, Ben. I was looking at those charts at the inside of the ship that somebody sent in, the blueprints. Mm-hmm. There's a whole big chunk in the middle of the ship that's marked as deuterium tanks, like a huge, like like three or four floors worth of ship in the, right in the middle of the drive section. Mm. It's marked as deuterium tank. Do you think those tanks slosh around when the ship is like, you know, busting around corners and going into warp? Like how you'll hear liquid in your stomach if you've if you've had like a big thing to drink and then you're like running around, you can sort of feel it sloshing. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, does do you need gravity to slosh? I it, guess not. Is that where the dolphins live? Are they deuterium <laughs> dolphins? Oh, maybe. Wikipedia says deuterium is one of two stable isotopes of hydrogen. So they're just carrying around tons of hydrogen. Do they ever have to go get gas? It sort of explains why when the Enterprise explodes, it explodes real big. (laughs) It seems like it may be an easy thing to show on screen because it's just a floor-to-ceiling tank. Yeah, you just just show a big hollow space. Yeah. They do that with the holodeck all the time. Cut to an ensign down there with like a... uh, with like a gas thing in the the spigot, just like looking at the at the spooling dial waiting for it to click <laughs> he's down there for months are you a Safeway rewards member no do you want a car wash no <laughs> this ship costs like $350,000 to fill up <laughs> tank is huge yeah that's why, Ben, you want a friend with a Galaxy-class starship, and you don't want to own one yourself, because the cost of refueling is just exorbitant. Yeah, and you want that. Fr- you want to be at an age where it's not like high school, where you always have to like get five on gas tank for yeah. all the driving around you're doing. Like, it sucks you to, to be ask old enough. everyone on the crew for a fiver. <laughs> <laughs> Riker's just going around with a upturned hat, going... We- <laughs> We got to fill the ship up again, guys. Come on. <laughs> Ensign Tyler, I see you over there. Come on. Five five bucks, please. Riker's busking with an open <laughs> trombone case. <laughs> They're going to have to uh, do some more noodling with the engine, which means Data has some time to take another nappy nap. I think this is the first time he talks to Troy about it, and she says, like, yeah, go ahead and have bad dreams. That's a normal part of being human, and that's like that's what you're here for. So sometimes you confront your your dark imagery when you're asleep. 
Yeah, Data, I mean, you are basically a murder weapon waiting to happen, and when your mind acts strangely, that's nothing for me to report to anyone else on board. Go ahead and keep experimenting with your night terrors. Remember when your brother was beaming bad feelings into your head a few episodes ago? (laughs) Nothing bad happened with that, so embrace the bad feelings. You remember how you went into a room by yourself with Lore and then came out and no one checked your ID? (laughs) You could really headcanon the fact that this is Lore right now. And he is just deeply undercover. Fuck. (laughs) Yeah. Well, she encourages him to go ahead and have his bad dream. And uh, he, he climbs into bed. I like that there's a little reveal that He's got some sort of, like, disco sheets. Like, they look pretty plain, but then when he gets in bed, like, they flip over, and you can see that the other side is real sequendy. I don't know, man. If I'm using a sequined bedspread, I want the sequins to face out. That's yeah. got to be scratchy, right? Yeah, can, it, can Data turn off his itchiness program? I bet that's the best part of being a robot, is not getting itchy. <laughs> I could uh, I could really go for that right now. It's fucking 90 degrees and humid in New York. Oof. No amount of balls powder can get around that. <laughs> Did I already tell the tell you the balls powder story? The birthday gift <laughs> balls powder? No. <laughs> so, uh, my birthday was back in May and like on May 20th, I got a box from Amazon and I this is one of the odd weeks where I know I didn't order anything from Amazon, it was, and it was heavy. It's like the size of a shoebox, and really <laughs> heavy for its size. Like, like what the hell is this? So I, Is this I, like a hard drive or something? Yeah, I tear into it, open it up, and it is three one-liter size containers of Gold Bond. <laughs> I've never seen a format this big of balls powder before, and it was a three-pack. And the note was from my buddy Grant, who's like, uh, have a great summer. <laughs> Love Grant. <laughs> and I don't know what to do with that much powder, Ben. Do you want me to mail you one of these? Could you use that? I don't go with the uh, the medicated kind. I just go with a straight-up talc. Well, there's as far as I know, there's two flavors of Gold Bond. One is gold, and then one is green. And I think green is the medicated kind, right? This is just the standard gold. I thought that the gold had like a little lidocaine or something in it. Am oh, I wrong about shit. that? Well, uh, I'm going to have to do a little research on the fly here, Ben. I think it's only right. <laughs> this is the only kind of research I can really get behind. What's in your balls powder? Oh, so the green is extra strength. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and the gold is, uh, yeah, medicated. Well, that accounts for the... Uh, the bracing menthol feeling you get, which is uh, which is a feeling I crave. I'm not against that feeling. I just want to, I don't want it to be an everyday thing. <laughs> See, uh, letting your nuts hang is an everyday thing, Ben, <laughs> but slathering them in balls powder, not the case. Our, uh, our promise to our listeners that we will find the bottom before the end <laughs> of season seven <laughs> continues apace. Huh. Well, we're, we're learning so much about each other. My love is a piece of longing tale for that which longer necessity. Data has his dream. He is in 10 forward. 
Worf is eating some cake. Delicious. What kind of cake are you eating? It is a cellular peptide cake with mint frosting. Dr. Crusher is having a tiki drink that comes in the form of straw into Riker's head. That would be a good tiki mug. <laughs> if we ever do a tiki mug, it's Riker's head, right? Oh, yeah. That'd be great. We'd probably have to license that, though. Everything about Riker seems to be happening on his right temple. <laughs> have you noticed that? Yeah. Like, the knife cut that Worf gave him was on that temple. I want to say there was something else that happened on that temple, and also that's where the straw goes. His head, his head's like a Capri sunbag. Yeah. Just make sure you don't poke through the other side when you put that straw in. Yeah. Yeah. Make a big mess. These workmen are still there. And uh, every time Data runs into these dudes, he, uh, he'll open his mouth and uh, a very cloying, shrieky noise comes out of his mouth. Want to hear the most annoying sound in the world? <laughs> guys! 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 And uh, these workmen, like us, hate this noise. It's more annoying than the standard issue car alarm. It's like the cheapest car alarm you can get that only has the <laughs> one sound. <laughs> it's really bad. And yeah. like I have taken to watching Star Trek episodes for the purposes of our show before bed. And this mm-hmm. is not a sound you want to play late at night when your wife is sleeping. No. <laughs> not not a, good. Not a good look. No. <laughs> so they clear away and there is a cake on the table that they were crowded around. The cake is the upper torso of a blue shirt, and it has Troy's head, her living head on it. And she says, please don't cut a piece of my body, Data. And uh, he goes in with a knife and, sure enough, cuts a piece of Troy cake. No, don't. No, no, Data! For as long as they've sexualized Deanna Troy and... And her physicality. Do you find it strange that this cake didn't have boobs? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they just went with a, a straight-up sheet cake. Yeah. They did not go to an erotic baker for these props. <laughs> You're telling me you couldn't find an erotic bakery in L.A.? Come on. <laughs> <laughs> There's got to be three on the block that the studio is on. I imagine, like, Marina Sirtis wouldn't even, like, bat an eye at the idea of, like, a boobs cake being wheeled on the set. Like, yep, this is my life. This is what they've done to me. Let's get this season over with so I can get on with my fucking career. (laughs) (laughs) You think this is the most humiliating thing they've had me do? No. Oh, man. Yeah. (laughs) They gave her the the offer sheet before season one starts is, like... We'll put you in a scant in season one, or if we make it to season seven, it's a boobs cake. She's like, <laughs> she's like fine, I'll take the scant. What did you think of the cake aside from its flatness, Adam? In what way are you asking that question? I mean, it just, like, I don't know if there w- there's been, like, a leap forward in cake technology, but I feel like one thing I see a lot when I go on the internet is a picture of an amazing cake. And, like, I don't really care about cake at all. Like, I don't think cake is a good dessert. But I feel like there's a there's a lot of currency in posting a picture of a stupendously realistic cake. 
but I was thinking about that here, and I was like, maybe if it was too realistic, it wouldn't read as cake. Oh, that's a good point. Yeah, so I mean, you're right. This... There's a there's an inverse correlation between like exotically good looking cake and how good it tastes. Yeah, yeah. Those are those are usually a terrible tasting cake. Worf seems to love this cake though, but Worf yeah. loves things that taste terrible. Yeah. Do you think they had considered red velvet at all? Oh, for the inside? Yeah. Or is that mm. too gruesome of an idea? Or maybe that just <laughs> wouldn't have read on camera because the cake is so dark in its frosting. Yeah. I don't know. You're listening to Cake Trek, <laughs> the internet's foremost Star Trek cake show. Cake Trek, the next cake versation. Also, this was not a layer cake, Ben. Like, it's just, it's four inches of sponge, isn't it? This is not going to do well on the Great British Bake Off. Perhaps this person was short of time. The top on it looks a bit of a mess. Also, it's raw. You know, I was thinking, like, if you're trying to make boobs on a cake, the bunt pan's probably how you do that, right? (laughs) (laughs) I just wanted to give you something to go to interstitial with. This is going to be a four-hour episode of this idiot show, Adam, and three of the hours are going to be about cake. And I have to edit this one. You know, it's like what we've done for our podcast here, like the cake talk is the Admiral's party storyline of this podcast (laughs) episode. Like, who gives a shit? I am the cutest of all. You will assist us. I am the cutest of all. One person that gives a shit is Sigmund Frude. How's it going, Frude, dude? They just set up a holodeck analysis program with none other than Sigmund Frude to analyze him. And he talks through the dream. And uh, I feel like this scene goes on like it's a solid four minutes. And to us, it is clearly ridiculous from, you know, the the moment it starts. Data only realizes how ridiculous it is like two minutes in. I do not believe I'm being helped by this session. But then there's like an entire other two minutes where Frude is just goofing around and Data keeps interjecting, this is ridiculous. This is not helpful. The knife, in its violent connotation, suggests a certain feeling of sexual inadequacy. I have come to loathe anyone in period costume on the show that is not Samuel Clemens. <laughs> well, I have come to loathe Samuel Clemens in period costume on this <laughs> on this show above all other characters. So, Give me uh, more Mark Twain. Give it to me. <laughs> I'd much rather have a guy with a German accent than that awful Mark Twain. Why, Mr. Data, your dreams are oddly sexual. Fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes a cigar is actually a penis. Stick the cigar up your ass. <laughs> Even Data grows tired of Sigmund Freud's bullshit. He's like, all right, whatever, man. End program. And when he ends the program, it's one of the best cross-cut from the background they had to the holodeck background. Yeah, it's really well done. We've ever got... I don't even know if it's a green screen. I'm not really sure how they did it. They cut from him getting up from the couch to him rising in a different frame, and that's the frame that's green screen behind him. I don't know if it is green screen, though. 
I think it might be a they like got him perfectly in the same spot of the frame and they crossfaded. Oof. And like because of the lighting changes, your eye doesn't catch that there's there's two of him for a moment. Yeah. I mean, this is definitely the best of breed of this effect that they've done. They do it twice in this. There's a bunch of actually pretty cool special effects in this episode, I want to say. Yeah. Which is maybe the best thing you can say about this episode. Yeah. <laughs> so Data continues to get counseling from Troy about this. Mm-hmm. Or are we going back in time when I talk about that? Is this, is uh, I think you're going forward. There's like another dream sequence, but then he gets another counseling session and she's like, how about come to me instead of programming up a jokey caricature of a important historical figure whose work has largely been discredited. I feel like 90% of Counselor Troy's job must be convincing people that her career is valuable and that she should be someone who people seek out when they have uh, issues to discuss. Because it's got to be so much easier to go to the holodeck or, I don't know, talk to anyone who does not have the power to see into your brain. She's like the marketing department. Yeah. (laughs) She's there to justify the fact that she's there. Data, I know you have the choice between me and seeing the world's foremost psychoanalyst, but (laughs) why don't you give me a try? I'm sure that, like, real analysts watch this episode and just they're retinas detach as they roll their eyes yeah the idea that you could achieve something like a diagnosis within the first 45 minutes of meeting with a patient i think it's fairly telling about the show's respect for sigmund freud in that they portray him as just a guy who's trying to hook a client like and get him (laughs) on a schedule because he tries to put data on like a weekly schedule immediately so does Troy, though. Yeah, that's right. What's Troy in it for? She needs the work, obviously. Yeah, she gets a, you know, she gets the twenty-five dollar copay from Data, but then from the insurance company, she's getting like two fifty. <laughs> well, the other thing that's going on is that they're still just having a hell of a time getting the warp engine up and running. Kind of makes Picard look bad because an admiral like checks in and makes sure that Picard is still coming to banquet he doesn't want to go to and Picard says, "Yeah, we're we're going to be underway in an hour or two. You're not trying to avoid this particular engagement, are you, Picard?" "No, no, certainly not. I'm really looking forward to it." And then they try to hit the warp another time and it still isn't working. So uh they're they're all getting pretty frustrated and that is the backdrop of a scene where, like a nursing student, Troy is walking around the ship by herself, <laughs> jumpy. You know, like uh, every every time she goes around the corner, she thinks she hears something and looks back behind her, doesn't see anything. It's all like sh- shaky handheld camera work, horror movie camera work. Yeah. She gets on the elevator and... Uh, She's relieved that she's on the elevator by herself. Deck 36. The doors are closing when Data's hand reaches through. We get that, like, great horror movie sound hit. Hello, Data. He comes in. Are you all right? Blank look on his face. Raises a knife. What are you doing? Hold very still, Counselor. And starts stabbing away at her chest. It's some real T-1000 shit, isn't it? Yeah, the way he's moving and stuff. 
I wish we had gotten the scene of Data walking there himself. Like if we cross cut between Troy and Data, like Data's just walking through the halls with that giant knife and a blank look on his face. <laughs> no one challenges him. What are you doing with that thing, buddy? Hey, uh, Data, where are you going? You're not supposed to take knives at a 10 forward, bud. Shit's pretty violent, right? Yeah, because, uh, I mean, Troy screams. She's obviously being stabbed. It's one of the rare analog acts of violence. What am I trying to say? Like, uh, like normally you get science fiction violence where there's phasers or explosions or whatever. But, like, sure. a stabbing is somehow more horrible in this in this future science fiction world. Yeah, it feels it feels more like immediate and scary somehow because it's something that we can actually picture. Nobody knows what it feels like to get hit by a phaser on stun mode, right? It's a fun scene when Riker and Worf come around the corner and they like open up the door to the elevator and find Data heaving over Troy's stabbed up body. It is not music. Worf, it's better than music. It's jazz. They decide to put Troy in a six bay smock that reveals a little more side boob than I was expecting. <laughs> well, they figured that uh, they'd, they'd planted the idea in your head with that cake, Adam. Right. They wanted to pay it off a little bit. Yeah, yeah. There's also a scene where Picard, like, removes Data from duty, and it's maybe the first time I've seen them put a couple of security guys on Data. First time they've been prudent with what a danger he is. God, all three of those security people should have those those poles with hoops on them that they capture wild <laughs> animals with. Yeah, so you can stay well back. Yeah. I think they're standing way too close to Data. What they should do is that they should have that, you know, interlocking cage system like they have in <laughs> Jurassic Park where where they have data in a in a, a cage that they can move around the ship because having him able to walk around is just too dangerous. Yeah, they they he deserves the Hannibal Lecter treatment for sure. Speaking of Hannibal Lecter, we never see data bite anything, do we? I bet he mm. could bite the corner off of a table. <laughs> like, there's nothing about data that can't be weaponized. Yeah. I, I wonder how... I mean, his teeth must be just as, as intense as the rest of him, right? Yeah. Yeah, so Troy is on this bio bed, rocking a lot of side boob. Deanna, you're in six bay. It's all right. And rocking a, an injury that is not getting better. That's odd. The stab wound has been sorted out, but she's got some, like, necrotic flesh on her upper chest where the stabbing took place. And the doctor's like, well, that's so weird because this is the future. We should be able to just take care of that. Yeah, she's got a Dateline NBC flashlight <laughs> that she uses for this examination. And she sees a, she sees a little leech. Yeah, a little, a little buggy bug. It's uh, really gross. Ben, this this leech thing. I think they did a great job with this. Yeah, it's an awesome special effect. Yeah. Because it's like 
plausibly on her and then you take the light away and it's gone like it's another one where like i can kind of imagine how the comp went but like when somebody's moving around and has one on yeah it looks good and they they did a really good job with it there is something universal about this creep factor too like you know, whenever you see a news report and they're talking about like, you know, the human body is covered with two hundred million mites, and like you have that, <laughs> you have that moment where you th- where you're just like, oh, that is so fucking gross. Like the idea of having something on you that's invisible, that is yeah. like that big, is especially gross. I had a conversation with somebody that was telling me about finding a tick on on their kid uh. after like a summer trip, and yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> Not good. I don't think I've ever had a tick. You hear about them all the time. My childhood dog got a bunch of ticks one summer, and it was awful. Hmm. Did you have to, like, did you burn a bunch of matches? Did you match them all out? Or is that a vet amount of work? You have to, like, tweezer them out, but it's you have to be really careful to get the the head when you do it, because they, they, like, bury their head in the the skin. (laughs) I just uh, caused someone to pull over. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> someone just filled up the cup holder. <laughs> that seems like a good idea at the time, but then you're like, how do I get it out? Yeah, yeah. There's no good way. So they, they have this weird conundrum because Data went and stabbed somebody, but now they have some evidence that Data was stabbing with good cause. He was he was actually stabbing a thing. He was stabbing for a reason. He was stabbing in self-defense. So they realize that something to do with Data's subconscious can perceive these things in some way. Like they can they can find them, but they don't really know like what to do about them. They don't have any way of removing them. So they plug Data into the holodeck and they proceed to have a scene where Picard and Geordi like walk around in a dream that Data is having and it kind of goes through a bunch of different phases. They see the cake. They uh, find a telephone inside Data's belly that has Freud imploring them to kill kill the bugs. Kill them before it's too late. They have the workmen desperately swinging their hammers as though they are pulling their punches to to try and dismantle the the plasma tube and they discover this sound that data has been making you must not hurt my friends be quiet it's a uh, some frequency that the bugs don't like and so they come out of the simulation jordy is uh, able to like turn a couple of screw heads in data's head and pulse the ship for for this frequency and uh we get to see dr crusher scanning around as they as they all disappear yeah it's it's basically like the tonal equivalent of putting a tent over the ship and then fumigating it they fumigate it with this sound i mean like i feel like this scene is more interesting because they have that freud shit already established it's hard to to make that admission that Freud's involvement made anything more interesting in this episode. <laughs> but yeah, I agree with that. 
I mean, if it had all been ship, it would have just felt real bodily. Like, I don't know that Freud was the right thing to do there, but to have to like take it out of the context of ship, I feel like was shrewd in some way. The idea of walking around inside of Data's imagination, I thought was fairly interesting. Yeah. And and they managed to avoid the thing that every 90s thing did when you go inside a computer, which is like giant cityscape with lights pulsing and and flying back and forth as inside of computer image. Yeah, yeah. Like the tronification of that. Yeah. So it turns out they they got a bad warp core. The uh the the warp core they installed was covered in bugs. I'm covered in bees. Now, when you're installing a new warp core bin, you're going to want to expect it for parasites. That way, your android won't suffer from antisocial behavior. <laughs> We've pre-sprayed our warp core and all the ducting we're installing today with a parasite repellent spray. Do we just have nothing left for that yeah, joke? I don't know. I didn't. I thought my read was fairly terrible too. I'm sorry. Oh no. Hopefully there's hopefully there's something that works for you there. I thought the craziest downplay of the whole episode was Data describing his stabbing people as antisocial behavior. What the <laughs> fuck? Really? <laughs> I'm sure that's what that's OJ more, called it too. More than just antisocial. Yeah. I'm not sure that's what Deanna Troy would call it. If the cake fits, Adam, you must acquit. Yeah. The button on the episode is Troy bringing a data cake over to Data's quarters and uh, them eating eating data cake together. What would Dr. Freud say about the symbolism of devouring oneself? Not an erotic data cake, mind you, just a... Yeah, this cake is not fully functional or programmed in multiple techniques. Yeah. Sometimes a cake is just a cake. It's a cake that really looks like Deanna Troy made it herself. Like, not a great looking cake. It's it's a cute cake is what it is. Could they have done a more realistic cake, but they wanted to keep it kind of similar level of skill with the other cake in the episode? Like, have you been to a kid's birthday party party lately? Cake technology right now is off the chain. Some of these cakes are are photorealistic in what they're depicting. This is an imperfect uh, future, Ben. Yeah. Or maybe it's like a maybe it's like a retro throwback thing. Like the kids are really into like ironically bad cakes in the 24th century. <laughs> cool cake, bro. <laughs> it's fucking terrible. I love it. I mean, it's so shitty. I think it's great. <laughs> I totally sat in it in the car. That's why it looks so <laughs> shitty. Why would I do this to myself? I never wanted this on me. I love it, dude. I got it when my grandfather died. But it's, it's awesome. the dumbest. It's fucking awesome. <laughs> Did you like this episode, Ben? I'm gonna. I think I'm gonna surprise you a little bit with this, Adam. I kind of like this episode. It's so shitty. It's awesome. <laughs> it's the fucking worst. It's so good. <laughs> it's another kind of light episode. Like it's 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 got dark subject matter, but it's played kind of light, and I think a lot of that has to do with fruit. I think the fruit parts are the are the worst part. 
of the episode, maybe the laziest writing. But I mean, like I said this in a recent episode that I I do I do have a soft spot in my heart for light and corny Trek, and mm. that's this. And uh, for as light and corny as it is, like it is a like it kept my interest. Like I I love I love that they come up with this crazy Star Trekky solution to this crazy Star Trekky problem and. I love getting to go inside Data's dream. I think that the special effects are all like really, really impressive. So I'm just on the side of liking this one. How about yourself? This episode has has a lot of things I don't like. I don't like real characters and period costumes. I feel like this episode and this season has started a trend of of putting all of the eggs in the Data basket, like assuming <laughs> an interest in Data and in his life that I'm not sure that we have, you know? And his interest in dreaming is uninteresting to me. The execution of his dreams is fairly interesting, though the people in those dreams, especially the miners, are are a, a poor demonstration of, of what miners would do to a starship. <laughs> I don't think I like the episode, Ben. No, I didn't like it at all. Well, I'm really sorry, Adam. And I'm sorry your wife had to hear that grating noise as she was trying to fall asleep. I I don't think this is a Mount Armis for me, but it is very close. Wow. Well, you have terrible standards. It's true. Who knows what's a mountain episode for me anymore? Do we want to check in with our priority one in box? I know what's going on there. that's something I want to do, Ben. Priority one message from Starfleet coming in on secured channel. Need a supplemental income. Supplemental income? Supplemental. Supplemental. Yeah, it's extra. But the interest alone could be enough to buy this ship. Adam, we have a couple of priority one messages here. The first one is of a personal nature. It's from Indirect Banana Kisses, and it's for Sticky Bun. Goes like this. Happy anniversary! My life has been so much weirder, sillier, and happier with you in it. And I'm happy to be raising guinea pigs with you. You are the Mozart of cooking and the isolinear chip to my drunk Shimoda. Let's keep shouting, my son, in public, and help Ben and Adam come up to Portland so we can buy them a tea. Earl Grey, hot. I love you. I love the order of... Of those compliments, weirder, weirder sillier, sillier, happier. happier. <laughs> yeah, I love. I have a feeling like if you were to ask my wife about her feelings about us, happier would also be in third. <laughs> After weirder and sillier, that's great. I don't know. I, I'd be terrified to ask my wife what order she would put any of those those words in. Let's make sure or if we she would never even ask. put them in the list. <laughs> the the uh, the lesson here is never ask for a list. <laughs> Well, happy anniversary, you two. We'll be in Portland sometime. Yeah, love Portland. They're all the time. Just not together, Ben. Let's change oh, that. I love me some Portland. Yeah. Wait, do you think they mean Portland, Oregon, or Portland, Maine? I don't know. We'll never know. I guess we'll never know. We should go to both. Ben, our second priority one message comes from Rose Fletcher. It is for Will Fletcher. It goes like this. Here's to an out-of-this-world dad. You're a Cisco, not a Kirk. (laughs) 
We're your biggest fans. Thanks for always being there for us. May you live long and prosper and always have a podcast to distract you. Love you forever. From Rose Scout, Rocco, and Penny from the Block. (laughs) You're a Cisco, not a Kirk. What could that mean, Ben? Probably means you're like sane and don't punch everything before you (laughs) understand what it is. Hey, Will, way to not punch everything. That's no way to solve a problem. (laughs) Deep thinker, Will Fletcher. Love it. Yeah. Loves baseball, probably. (laughs) Or some anachronistic sport that used to exist but doesn't now. (laughs) Well, one thing we love as much as baseball are reading these Priority One messages, Ben. We do. If anyone out there is interested in creating one of their own, they can go to MaximumFun.org slash Jumbotron where personal messages are $100 and commercial messages are $200, and they are a great way to help with the ongoing production of this fine program. Thanks, guys. Thank you. One of the amazing things about making The Greatest Generation is getting to see all of the cool, creative stuff that the Friends of DeSoto make when we do a Code 47 episode. People send in handcrafted stuff all the time, and they send in their books, they send in paintings, they send in uh, crochet work. It's so cool. And uh, I want a few more of you to have websites to direct us to in those letters. I want you to put your beautiful work on display for the world so that when we get to look at it, we can tell people where to go to get a look at it themselves. And you don't have to know anything about building a website to build a website these days because you can use Squarespace. It'll look beautiful no matter what kind of device people are looking at it on. Hell, you can even sell stuff using a Squarespace website. Don't make your cool, creative project captain's eyes only. Head to squarespace.com slash scarves for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, use offer code SCARVES to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. Boy, do I love a microdose gummy from Lumi Labs. I'm uh, I'm running low, so I'm going to head over to microdose.com pretty soon and put in another order. Microdosing is a technique I use to steer my mentals in a preferred direction several times a week. And uh, I just love it because you can really predict what is going to happen and to what degree it is going to happen. Because these are very low dose cannabis gummies that uh, give you an entry level dose that help you feel just the right amount of good. And they've been super loyal as sponsors to Greatest Trek and Greatest Gen, so I hope you will give them a try. Get 30% off your first order, plus free shipping today at microdose.com. Promo code SCARVES. It's available nationwide. That's microdose.com. Promo code is SCARVES for 30% off and free shipping. Microdose.com. Promo code SCARVES. Back for another game. You know it. What's going on? Just one more week till Max Fun Drive. Hard to believe. It's been a heck of a year since the last one. We're now a worker-owned co-op. We raised $50,000 for charity last year. And we've added a bunch of awesome new shows. But do you think we're ready to do it again? Absolutely. Lovely new gifts are lined up. The episodes will be amazing. And wait till everyone hears the bonus content. Yeah, plus they know to go to MaximumFun.org newsletter, so they're getting all the news. Oh, like that meetup day is on Thursday, March 21st. Then what's bothering you? Me? Oh, nothing.
We're all set for Max Fun Drive to start on Monday, March 18th. I just didn't want you to see this coming. Check. What? Hang on. Most of the plants humans eat are technically grass. Most of the asphalt we drive on is almost a liquid. The formula of WD-40 is San Diego's greatest secret. Zippers were invented by a Swedish immigrant love story. On the podcast Secretly Incredibly Fascinating, we explore this type of amazing stuff. Stuff about ordinary topics like cabbage and batteries and socks. Topics you'd never expect to be the title of the podcast. Secretly Incredibly Fascinating. Find us by searching for the word secretly in your podcast app. And at MaximumFun.org. Hey, Ben. What's that, Adam? I hear the incessant scream of a drunk Shimoda. Is that yours out in the parking lot making that sound? <laughs> oh, yeah. Let me go. Let me go turn that off. My drunk Shimoda is Worf. I just love everything about Michael, the way Michael Dorn plays the interactions with Data's cat in this episode. I guess we didn't really talk about it much, but Spot. I hate cats. Data's cat. Spot. I love cats. Is prominently featured in this episode. And when Data gets taken off duty for being a danger to himself and others, he asks Worf to look after Spot. And uh, not only does Worf kind of act like he's not entirely aware of what a cat is, which is ridiculous because he was raised on, you know, <laughs> among humans. <laughs> but just like the way he straight mans with Data, while Data, like, goes through all of the things he needs to know about cat ownership is fucking hilarious as a person with a cat that lives in my house his instructions were fairly accurate (laughs) so is your shimoda data or wharf wharf my shimoda is also wharf but it is it is because he basically has two scenes in the entire episode michael dorn is being asked to carry a cat and eat a cake and that is it. <laughs> that's all he does. I think that's hilarious. Yeah. What gets, a great week of shooting same. for him. Yeah. <laughs> Can do, boss. <laughs> so Worf Smashimoto also. What do we have coming up on the next episode, Ben? The next episode is season seven, episode seven, Dark Page. Troy must probe her mother's psyche when a traumatic secret causes a psychic breakdown that threatens Loaxana's life. Do you remember this episode, Adam? I sort of had it in my head that we were done with Loaxana episodes for TNG. So this comes as a, as a little bit of a surprise that this is Didn't happening. Did two of them last, last ep? Or last season, I mean? Yeah, which is sort of why I thought we were done. They'd, like spent, they'd spent all the Loaxana that they had to spend. They burned their Loxana capital <laughs> on those two campaigns. Hmm. Ben, I hate Loxana episodes. Not as much as you, though. I hate them the most. What do you want to do here? It's tempting to veto. Very tempting. I. The thing that is giving me pause is that 
there are a lot of landmines in season seven, and I kind of think this might be one of the least worst Loxana episodes. And maybe there are things that there are still dragons in the direction <laughs> that we're heading that I need to save my weapons for. There is no greater dragon than Loxana Troy, though. I don't know if I agree with that, Adam. And this is a sure thing, Ben. It's a sure thing. I need to do the responsible thing here, Ben, and veto the episode. No! (laughs) That's what's responsible. We're standing on a landmine. We see it. We've stepped on it. We've got to figure out a way to get our foot off of this thing. This is the the enemy that we know. And it's right here. (sighs) Adam, you're such an idiot. (laughs) No, I'm not. I'm doing the right thing. This is so practical. There's some real bad episodes in season seven. You're not like. But we if, know Loxana episodes are bad episodes. If you're fucking Frodo Baggins and you're leaving Lothlorien and you have your new potions and invisibility cloaks, you need to know. You need to use them in responsible ways. I feel like this is responsible. This is a fully authenticated emergency action message. We are at alert one now. There is a Loxana ready to fire her missiles at us. I do not concur, sir. I do not concur. Counter veto. <laughs> I should have known we would never get to use one of these. I'm the commander of this fucking ship, Ben. <laughs> I know you are, but I just think that that was such a bad call. You almost caused a, caused a nuclear holocaust. Our vetoes crossing over Antarctica. (laughs) (laughs) Just because the fucking buoy winch made some noise. Well, here we are. We we have we have shot. Are we even gonna have vetoes when we get to Deep Space Nine, Adam? We've shot every veto into the ground, like Yosemite Sam. Like, I mean, like the people that have accused us of doing this as an extended bit are obviously wrong, but. They have a lot of evidence on their side. Like, this does appear to be just a charade. Uh, they can believe whatever they want, but uh, <laughs> I would submit to a lie detector test about whether or not we pre-planned any of this. So, <sighs> fuck those guys. <laughs> fuck you. <laughs> You're the worst. Well, Worst podcast partner. See you next time, Ben. I guess uh, that'll be our next episode, and we don't have any vetoes for the rest of this terrible season of television. To answer your question, Ben, I I think I've seen so little of Deep Space Nine that I don't I don't think it would be responsible to have vetoes anymore. I think we should mm. take them off the table. Wow! Because I sort of well, want to have... see every episode. I don't think I've seen every episode of Deep Space Nine. I got I, too I, bored. I... I agree that we should take them off the table for Deep Space Nine, but I do want there to be a danger element that we reintroduce every season Mm. because it's fun to have punishment for bad behavior. And we got to think about what that is. Maybe we like in some eventuality, we have to watch a Babylon five episode and and review that. I don't even want that put out into the ether. (laughs) I, I refuse that. Okay, I'll edit this part out of the episode. <laughs> Do not even tease. <laughs> Jeez. Yeah, we will we will think up some sort of gamification for this because I think 
it's only right that that your hosts are weaponized for this process. <laughs> Just depends on how. Well, uh, one way that our destruction is not assured is through uh, the support of our viewers. If you go to places like maximumfund.org/donate to help the ongoing support of our show, they'll go to the Max Fund store bin where there are shirts and glasses and all sorts of fun merch items there. Hopefully they will have purchased a ticket to come and see us on tour. That's a thing that's happening. We're committed to that. There's no vetoing yep. the tour dates. Yeah, there may be some greatest Gen Con information out in the ether at this point as well, so yeah. keep your ears peeled for that. Peel those ears. If you're not peeling your ears, you're using those ears to hear the great sounds created by Dark Materia, who created our theme song and interstitial music. We also have some great music beds created by Adam Ragusia. One of the best. Anything you want to say here, Ben, before we get the hell out of here? Yeah, follow Adam on Twitter at Cut for Time. Follow me at Benjamin R A H R. Use the hashtag Greatest Gen. You can also go to our Facebook group, our Reddit sub. There's a great Wikia with lots of uh, information on the program. Although, I noticed that the Wikia doesn't have a definition of nubbin, which I was surprised by. So, I don't, I don't know how that gets updated, but I'm sure that somebody will, will be along shortly to fix that. Huh. Uh, there's also that Steam group, the Greatest Gen Steam uh, video game group, and uh, lots of other places online to, to talk to other people who like the show. So, with that, we will be back at you next time another great episode of Star Trek The Next Generation and an episode of The Greatest Generation that is looking for the right word not sure quite how to say <laughs> terrible how do you say ah uh, yes MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Listener supported.